Welcome to another edition of The Football Show. I'm your host, Lance Cartelli. Joining me today, as always, is uh, NFL writer Ian Wharton. Ian, what's going on? Not too much, man. Just uh, got this, you know, the fallout from the NFL draft. And so, you know, that's obviously what's on everyone's minds. We hit the offseason. So just enjoying the uh, the next 2023-2022 season kind of look ahead that we're starting to transition to. Yeah, now that the draft is over, it's time to look ahead. Um, but let's look back a little bit, too. Let's take a look towards the future, but also pick our winners and losers from the NFL draft. Do you want to get it started? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I start definitely with the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, I think that's probably the easiest way to start. Um, obviously, landing A.J. Brown for the 18th overall pick. I'm a big fan of just simply getting getting, getting talent. Like, Veterans matter. Guys who can come in and walk in and, and be impactful from day one matter, and especially for a team that is trying to develop Jalen Hurts. Uh, they need guys who can win in different ways, and I think to push Hurts to that next level is to give him a possession receiver, and maybe he fails, and that's okay. Uh, if he fails, then great. You have the, the ability to go out next year and, and give the draft capital to kind of go for someone else, or uh, whether it be a veteran or, or a rookie, and you know, I just think that they went about that trade, and obviously they paid him extremely well. But, you know, I, I, again, I'm not really worried. I'm not worried about um, paying guys at this level because you know that you're getting an elite kind of impact or talent back. And so, obviously, love Jordan Davis. Talked about him previously on our pods. Like, I think he's a star. I think he'll be much more than just a run stopper. So, for me, that was a big win as well. And, and I think they did well late, too. They got Mario Goodrich as an undrafted free agent. I think that's just like another mid-round pick. Not really sure why he fell out, if it was due to medicals or something, but they needed a cornerback, didn't take one. They ended up signing a guy off the street uh, after the draft who was probably good enough to be a third-round pick. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. One of my winners was the Eagles' NFC East hopes. You know, everyone said they were in rebuild mode, but they didn't really operate like that. They landed Jordan Davis, like you said, and A.J. Brown for a bargain. For what they gave up compared to what other teams gave up, it wasn't really that much, and he's 24-year-old number one receiver, best friends with Jalen Hurts. It seems like the perfect marriage for him. Um, the Eagles are talented, and with the Cowboys getting worse, really think Philly has a shot to, you know, take the NFC East crown. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know why you'd try to take a step back or, like, why team, people would really feel that way outside of just maybe focusing too much on their individual moves because, like you said, in the NFC East, it's not like there's anyone that took a major step forward, if anything – Everyone kind of took a step back or kind of, you know, stood where they were. So, absolutely, they're going to compete. You know, their coaching staff, I think, will benefit just from Nick Sirianni kind of finding his groove in the second half of last year. Like, getting a full year of a coach that kind of knows what he's doing and wants to do is going to be a big difference. Like, I thought they could fire him halfway through last year. Like, I thought they were, he was on that kind of pace, just didn't know what he was doing. They start running the ball, playing to their strengths, boom, season totally changed. And so, imagine that over, you know, 17 games now. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has to be one of the most interesting quarterbacks because if he doesn't perform, then the Eagles will have no problem trading some of that extra draft capital to to get a, a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or somebody like that. Yeah, definitely. And they, I mean, that trade down with the ones was great. <laughs> I mean, I would love another you know pick in the middle of the first round, especially in this class. But, I mean, you picked up a pick next year, which is probably going to be a stronger class. You may need a quarterback, so you may need that pick for that uh, move up anyways, or just to use the pick, depending on how New Orleans does. And then you get a free second-round pick to do it in 2023. So, I mean, 
Howie Roseman's been very, very impressive. I thought that he was his own worst enemy for his first little stint um, early on, and I kind of thought that he was getting in his own way with some of his decisions. But very quickly, I think he's kind of found that rhythm just like his coach. Yeah, he's really just the most forward-thinking GM, and you know, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, like that. And it really is impressive. Let's go to a team that also acquired a wide receiver for a first-round pick, but is a loser. That's the Arizona Cardinals. They paid nearly the same price for Hollywood Brown that the Eagles did for AJ Brown. To me, that's crazy, and it shows how poorly the Cardinals' front office operates. They also just lost DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the season due to a PED suspension. I do think Kyler is a winner because Arizona does add Hollywood and Trey McBride, but just imagine this team with AJ Brown. Yeah, it's you know I I don't blame them for making the move in the sense that they they obviously had this deal worked out ahead of time. The receivers went a little bit earlier than I think any of us thought. Um, the fact Jahan Dotson went 16th overall is pretty Crazy. shocking. Yeah, shocking. Um, and I like the guy. It's just he's not the, he's not that guy. Um, right. So would I rather have Brown for a first rounder or, you know, Dotson for a first rounder? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're, you're pretty equal value there. What sucks is, you know, you're going to have to pay Brown eventually, but you a do lot get of him money for, too. yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially by then CBA changes. And so, you know, he's going to obviously want to go with the times. Thankfully he is under contract for two years. You got him on the fifth year option uh, for 2023. So it's not as egregious. I, I didn't love their class. I, I thought it was good in the sense that they got the two edge rushers in the middle rounds. Um, but just overall, they just, they've, they're paying for the sins of their past more than anything for me. It's like Trey McBride is nice, but you know, you paid James Conner a lot of money and you paid Zach Ertz a lot of money. And those guys aren't really valuable players. They're nice players within the scheme, but they're not super valuable. So you paid them kind of top of the market price to stay. And you didn't add an offensive lineman of note. And you have one offensive lineman pass in contract past this season. You've continued to neglect that position. And you have a lot of stock in two rookie edge rushers. So good luck with that. It's it's just tough, you know, and it's a tough division to do that. I, I just think this team is so close to hitting the reset button that I don't blame them for going in for Brown. I, like, I get it in a microcosm, but it's like they've continually just stacked onto, the, onto like mistakes after mistakes instead of just kind of investing into the trenches. Yeah, and to build off your sins of the past, they're really this is a peace offering to Kyler, who they've pissed off because they haven't paid him, and they haven't really tried to as hard as they could to win. So they get his former college teammate and uh, apparently a good hang because Lamar Jackson was sad that he's gone, and now Kyler's super happy to have him. Yeah, and Brown's really a big winner because now he goes to a vertical offense where they can use his speed. Um, DeAndre Hopkins out for six games. So that's that's probably the biggest loss, I think, of the Cardinal season. If they start like one in five, it's like their season's over next year, most likely. So um, and I don't know that he'll have that drastic of an impact, but it's possible. And but Brown is definitely a big winner because he'll go from an offense where, you know, it's not even Lamar's fault. It's just he was averaging ten and a half yards a catch, which is insane. It just it, it gets crazy to think someone with his playmaking and speed is averaging ten and a half. It's like it reminds me of when, when Mike Wallace went to Miami. Just a totally different style of play, and it didn't fit his skill set. So I'm excited to see him. I bet he'll be at like 15 yards a catch this year, and it'll be much more, uh, much more fun to watch him. Yeah, he's going to get more valuable targets, but his target share is going to go down. So I think it's going to kind of even out. I do think he's just in a better offense for him. But and especially with DeAndre Hopkins out, like he might keep that target, that 25% target share that he was getting 
in Baltimore for those first six weeks, but he's going to have to just be more efficient. And yeah. so, you know, if he didn't drop the like five touchdowns last year, he's one of the best receivers yeah. in the that's NFL. True. But well, Lamar Jackson is out. a much yeah. is a much worse deep passer. So I'm excited to see Kyler because the Cardinals' offense just was too horizontal. They finally have some verticality. So I'm I'm really excited to see that um, come together. Me too. I I think they'll be fun. I I didn't hate their draft that much, but I I get I get it. I just don't like their overall direction. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Bad vibes in uh in the desert right now. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say. Go ahead. Uh, Detroit Lions as a winner. Hard to go wrong with the number two pick, especially when you get your guy Aiden Hutchinson. Um, you know, would I have taken Hutchinson too? Probably not, but I get it. I, I totally understand the pick in this class. There's not a whole lot of directions to go. Um, they avoid going quarterback, which that's the direction. You either take the quarterback at two or you don't take one in this class. Like, I don't think taking one at 32. I mean, I see the logic in it, but I think you might as well just wait till next year because you're probably going to pick high enough next year to get your quarterback anyways. Um, so unless if you loved one and if you loved one, you take him at two. They didn't love one, so that's good. You get Aiden Hutchinson, impactful defensive player. They really needed it. Now their their edge position looks a lot healthier, um, especially if Aquaro can come back from his injury. But Charles Harris had a nice year last year. They're starting to actually build into that trench play. Um, nice some, some nice defensive tackle talent there. Added Josh Paschal in the second in the um, I think he was in the third round. Um, but I like I think that. It was second. Was he second? Yeah, second, and then um, Josh, or I'm sorry, Kirby Joseph in the third. That's right. So they added some guys. They added a lot of leadership, too. All these guys are leadership type of players, all off of uh, either in a leadership captain role or off of a winning program, obviously Michigan, Alabama, um, Kentucky, been a winning program over the last couple of years. So I like that type of mindset. These are guys with athletic upside, too. It's not like they just added guys like, you know, we'll, we'll probably get some into like Chicago, just added old players. Um, they didn't do that. They added guys that actually have upside. Jameson Williams, obviously phenomenal. Love him. Love that they went up to move him. It's interesting to see them trade up for him as opposed to trading for like Debo or A.J. Brown or someone like that. I actually agree with this move. Bring Jameson Williams back slowly. You can have super dynamic talent uh, for the future. You got the fifth-year option on him, which is really nice. So uh, just overall, I like their direction. I like that they made the bold move, but then they also made just smart moves that fit their culture. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that the the Lions are sneaky fun right now, and their quarterback's Jared Goff. But I, yeah. I really liked what they did. You know, Hutchinson's a really nice piece, and a guy that everyone was saying is the best player in the draft. Getting him at two is a steal. And then they they stole Jamison Williams, and they did a trade up with uh, division rivals. So the Vikings might rue the day that they uh, accepted that trade. But Jamison Williams, I really like. I think he's a fun fit, especially in a dome in Detroit. He's going to open up things underneath for Hawkinson and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. As long as he comes back healthy, which, you know, the way, you know, modern medicine has developed, he's a good bet to come back even stronger. So I really like what they did. And, you know, FC North is, I mean, the Packers are going to win the division, but, you know, it's that second place team is kind of open. So they, uh, they easily could be the second best team in that NFC North. I think so too. I mean, Minnesota, you know, Minnesota is super interesting. Um, I'm just so interested in Minnesota. Like, do they just improve off of like the coaching change? Because that's, and I think they had an okay draft. I actually rated it probably better than some. Um, But do they just improve simply by like the coaching stage? Because they they have a good roster. Like, that's a veteran roster that can win. 
Yeah, and they, uh, I really like their new GM in front office. Like they're obviously yeah. more analytics driven, but they're they understand value and things like that. Like they might make some trades that are a little confusing to to some people, but they're just loading up. And uh, I'm really interested to see how they continue to build. But yeah, I, I think the Vikings are still probably the second best team in the NFC North, but it's a debate. It is, especially if, in, you know, I respect what um, Detroit's doing for golf. Where it's like, like you said, you have chart now. Once Williams is back, you actually have like some speed for him. And maybe this offense looks a little bit different with guys that can actually get, you know, beyond eight yards. Yeah. And I think with Jamison Williams, it really changes how defenses play you and Swift is going to run underneath a lot and be a really valuable option for Goff as well. So I think it really just opens things up for them. Let's stick in the NFC North. I got another loser, Justin Fields. This is a pretty obvious one, but you know, the bears just seem to hate him. The bears had one receiver in the draft, a 25 year old with no upside. The jets and Jaguars are loading up for their disappointing rookie quarterbacks, but the bears are just getting worse a lot worse. So uh, they're just not putting fields in a position to succeed. And this thing really could impact his future. It's a new regime. So we're not even sure if they, if this new regime even believes in Justin Fields. So he's a big loser from this past weekend to me. I would agree. And it's I actually graded this um, for complex as like a B plus for the, for the bears, but because of their defensive picks, because of their two first picks, I really like, uh, Kyler Gordon really liked Jaquan Brisker, but yeah, same here. It, it, this this is not. You're right though. Like this isn't a class though that matters. Like in the sense of the guy who needed it mattered. You needed it to matter for unless. And this was kind of interesting. Just kind of reading some of like the offensive line experts, um, some of the analytical guys looking at their their day three offensive tackles. I guess their profiles are very very strong, very athletic players. Hopefully, that's where Ryan Foles' strength comes off is he correctly identified developmental talent as a former lineman himself to say, and I don't know, you know, it doesn't always work like that. Obviously, Matt Millen, <laughs> number one yeah. example of, of those guys. But hopefully, for Fields' sake, he at least got one starting quality tackle out of this draft. And you're right, though, Vilas Jones, he looks great on paper until you look at the age. And it's like, oh, man, like, what are we getting here? The guy's going to be, you know, 30 years old by the time his rookie contract's up almost. And so it's just kind of crazy to think that they took him in such a good receiving class. Um, you probably needed to take Sky more, I think, because I think they took more over Jaquan Brisker. I'm sorry, they took Brisker over uh, Yeah, Sky I think they they could have had Pickens or Sky more. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, Pickens too. So, like, that's pretty egregious. And, and I like Brisker, but safeties don't matter like that. And especially when you've got a guy who – He's going to be two years through his rookie contract, and he's got nothing to show for it. And so that's a really tough pill to swallow. Um, Bears, I think, losers overall, even though I did like their overall um, fall outside of Jones. Yeah, like maybe Brisker becomes a great safety, but that won't matter if Justin Fields doesn't yeah. pan out. So, right. yeah, that uh, just really just a misuse of their, their assets. Uh, why don't you hit me with one of your winners or losers? Uh, yeah, so e easy winner, Kansas City. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, they got three starters in their first three picks. George Karloff, Karloff this falling so far was not shocking, but it was really nice. It was great that they got him without having to trade up for him. He had been mocked anywhere from, like, 8 to 30, and his range was, like, very unique to me. I don't really understand why he fell so far. Like, maybe there's a perceived lack of, like, upside there, but he is a great athlete. 
He's not someone that converted a lot of sacks, but he had a lot of sack opportunities, which I think that will increase his finishing ability when he's actually surrounded by like NFL caliber talent. Um, I think that would certainly help him. Obviously, Trent McDuffie, you needed to get a cornerback. They got a number one cornerback. Um, Sky Moore, obviously. I mean, we've, we've talked about him. Really good talent. Going to fit in that offense. Uh, it separates effortlessly immediately. I'm surprised. I mean, there's no chance that he's going to be the eighth best receiver in this class. And he was drafted. Absolutely. Yep. Like, he's going to outproduce at least three or four of the guys ahead of him. And I don't think it's going to be um, too strenuous for him either. So just great fit as far as talent, um, skill set with quarterback and offense. They really needed a, a receiver. Um, I think it pro- they still probably could use some help there, but at least he's a, he's a guy that really, you know, impacts them day one. And then they continue to get value late into the draft too. Like their day two and day three picks still like Brett Veach, I don't think has done a good job drafting, but I really think he had uh, just almost a perfect game in this one. Yeah, he did a great job last year. He's, hit, he's definitely hit or miss, which, you know, most GMs are. Last year he did a really good job. And, yeah, I really liked what they did. They filled all their holes. Ken McDuffie is a stud. He's just a little small. Carlaftis uh, at 30 fills their biggest hole. They had the worst edge rushers in the NFL last year. And, I, you're right, he might not convert the sacks, but he's a disruptor. And then Sky Moore, you know, a guy you get late in the second round was the analytics darling. And he's a guy, at least for the receiver position, could lead the team in targets and receptions and yards. Like, to get that late in the second is is a steal. And it's something they had to do because the roster outside of really Patrick Mahomes and a couple other players really was lacking. So they've done a good job of reloading a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I was – Kind of on the verge of selling them um, after their free agency, you know, I kind of thought, you know, maybe this is like the third or fourth best team in that division. I think they're, I mean, and that, that margin is very slim. I've been very clear that like when I say that, it's not saying they're not going to be nine and eight or even be double digit wins and not, you know, they can obviously outperform because they have the superstars. Um, but now when things just get easier, even if two of those guys are, are really solid as rookies and maybe one of them just is, you know, mediocre things just get a lot easier. You can still add a veteran potentially to the cornerback group. You can still add a veteran to the edge group. Um, but instead of now saying we enter the draft with six needs, three of them, which are extremely important. Now you're saying, well, maybe we just need like one veteran to kind of give us a stopgap presence until one of these rookies really proves themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, they took a chance on Justin Ross, undrafted free agent. If yeah. he is healthy and he hits, he could immediately emerge as a starting receiver. He's a guy who had, you know, first, second round talent coming out of Clemson. So that also is... also picked up Jerry on Ely, which was, who was uh, I remember I only evaluated like one off season of like high school recruiting for Bleacher Report back in the day, but that was the one. And I remember watching the Under Armour uh, All American game, and Ely was easily Ely and Thibodeau were like the two best players like by far. And I just remember being like, holy crap, like this kid is phenomenal. And he was decent in college, but I like that they picked him up because just because it's yeah, fun. He, he's a fun watch. He's a former five-star recruit, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. He was like, top. can't remember if he was a top running back, but he was right up there though with some other guys. And I mean, just an electric talent. I'm kind of surprised he, I mean, he had good production. I think he had like three, three years of like almost 900 yard total yards, including like the COVID year, which he would, if he would have played the full year in the COVID year, he would have had like 1300 yards total. So, I mean, he's a productive dude. Yeah. He's pretty good at picking up the blitz too. Uh, let's go to, I mean, let's go to another loser for me. Pittsburgh Steelers fans. 
I, you know, it's <laughs> kind of tough to feel too bad for Steelers fans. They have six Super Bowls after all, but going from the corpse of Big Ben to Kenny Pickett is uh, is rough. That is some bland quarterbacking. And, you know, it's going to – for the past half decade, and now it's going into the future. Uh, it also seems like the Steelers probably could have waited at least another round to draft Pickett the way the quarterbacks were falling. So uh, tough break for them and their future watching Pickett under center. What do you think of that one? Yep. And I have written about that, and Pittsburgh fans have been very upset about that. But, hey, look, that's <laughs> the reality. It's like you saw two better – Two quarterbacks at the very least, and granted, they're much different style, but like Desmond Ritter is probably the closest comparison. Experienced starter, not a project um, in the sense of like Malik Willis is considered a project, like kind of a guy who if you're going to play, you should be able to play him as like a spot starter early on or, you know, you put the training wheels on and he won't be a disaster in theory, right? Like similar archetype. And he went two rounds later, 50, 50 picks later. And then you saw Malik Willis go even later. And it's just like, you completely misjudged the quarterback market. We all did, but they completely misjudged it. Thank God they didn't trade up for him. And you got a guy who's almost the exact same player as Mitch Trubisky. And you got a guy who has no more physical skills than than Mason Rudolph. So, like, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, Malik Willis always made sense because he's drastically different than anyone else you have in the building. So why you would add a third quarterback who's similar to that doesn't make sense to me. I do like the George Pickett pick. Uh, pick. We'll see. I think him and DeMarvin Leal are huge character risks by Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh has done but, well. But Tomlin with, can kind of handle that, you think? Well, that, the only reason I say that is that, like, if you can't, you know, yes, he can handle it. But, like, guys that don't work out there, you know – are they, they, they get are rid they, of them quick if they, they get rid they of them quick. Jack. Exactly. That, that's where I'm going with. Yeah. So it's like if they don't work out, you get zero from those guys. Now, granted, that's if there are if they are that significant as far as issues, you know, having especially with Leo, like his motor, you know, if he's not going to play hard or Pickens is going to just be. And I don't you know, I think some of that might be a little overblown. But like if he's really that much of a diva. Yes, this team's equipped for it, but like if they're not, you may have just wasted, you know, this entire draft class. And then you pick Calvin Austin. This team has already failed with like Dre Archer and guys like that. I don't really know that they needed another diminutive slot receiver, especially when you look at their receiving room. Like, I don't know. Kind of thought like this team didn't need like that receiver. <laughs> they yeah, already have a loaded receiver room. It definitely seemed like a weird pick. Uh, and it, yeah, I. I think if you kind of, you know, switched, if you said Pickens was the first rounder and Pickett was the second rounder, you'd feel a little better. Yeah. I really do think they went Pickett just because he's pro ready, but he goes into yeah. a pretty good situation. Like the O-line's better. They have a bunch of receiving talent. They have Najee yeah. Harris. They have a really good defense. Great defense. I just, great, great I'm worried about, yeah, I'm worried about him. It, like when it's the weather's real bad in Pittsburgh, like how's he going to be able to handle that? I, I just can't Cleveland see it. Too. Um, yeah. And then when you're in, Lake in training camp, yeah, and when you're in training camp, like, Mitchell Trubisky's going to look better just throwing the ball and running around and everything. He's former number two yeah. pick. Like, he obviously – he might not have lived up to that hype, but he's still – when you're looking at a quarterback – He's a, he's a like gifted a guy. starting quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, definitely uh, with you there. Yeah, so Pittsburgh Steelers fans are losers, but I do think the Steelers' brotherhood is a winner. After drafting <laughs> Connor Hayward in the sixth round, the Steelers now have four pairs of brothers on their roster. It's pretty incredible. It makes me want to wow. see an entire team filled with siblings. 
love to see like the Gronks, Antonio Cromartie, and Ryan Fitzpatrick kids just all fill out a 53-man roster and see what happens. Yeah, Philip Rivers and, and all of his kids too. And yeah, throw oh, his man. kids on there too. Joey, Joey Porter Jr. might as well bring back some legacy guys like that are being yeah. entering the draft next year. That, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that would be kind of funny if they did uh, get Joey Porter Jr. next year too. Well, now they have to because they need a cornerback. And I mean, it's just, it's too fitting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So that'd be great. All right, hit me with another winner or loser. Uh, loser, I will say New England Patriots. And, yeah. you know, some of it is the Cole Strange thing. Like, I, I get that the, the league was higher on him than, than the media, like, and that happens every year. But you took a first-round guard. You took two guards to end the draft. You took a fourth-round quarterback. You took two running backs. This team wasn't missing any of those things in, on their quest to the playoffs. Like, granted, yeah, they could use certain positions. They could use running backs for the future. Um, I actually thought that the guy they picked out of Kevin Harris, like, yeah, he's maxed out and he was like a 20th year, you know, player at South Carolina, but he's a good player. Like, I like Kevin he, Harris more than Pierre Strong. So I do too. That, I do too. Yeah, I thought it was a nice I, I like that pick, but doubling up on running back was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. And, you know, you pick up the fourth round quarterback is nuts. Bailey yeah. Zappi, like, again, no different than what you had already with Mac Jones. He's physically limited. He'll never be the quality starter. Like, he'll be spot starter. Brian Hoyer type, which is okay for a backup, but why are you taking that in the fourth round with this team? Uh, Taking Tyquan Thornton, exact guy I'm talking about when I say Sky Moore is going to be more productive than the guys taking in front of him. That's the guy that's going to be, like, he was a no-show at Oregon uh, for the majority of his career, like, very middling production. Um, Yes, he's fast. Yes, he didn't have a bad drop rate. This team is not the team that develop receivers. Like, Take the guy with a good skill set that you can plug into the slot that has been a staple of this offense for a long time. And, I, and we don't really even know much about the offense right now. It's going to be a Joe Judge, apparently, offense. Um, yeah. So it's just I have no confidence in their draft. It just it wasn't one that made a difference. And to me, that's what matters. Like, you should be going arms race. Instead, you're continuing to do what you've been doing for the last 10 years. You also picked two small corners. So, yeah, which in theory makes sense because you got Tyree Kill in the division. You got Garrett Wilson in the division. So I understand getting some smaller receivers. Stephon Diggs, too. But you better admit, you better have nailed it because at least the big guys have room for error and margin for error. These guys don't have that. So I don't know why. You, again, you got Jonathan Jones years ago in, like, the late rounds, and now you're taking third rounders to be, like, the next Jonathan Jones. It's like, well, he was a fine slot player. He's nothing special. So it's just – Bill Belichick can, can sometimes be his worst enemy when it comes to evaluating talent, and I think that this was a good example of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It was pretty dumbfounding what they did, especially the two running backs. And then if I was them, I'd be terrified that I just drafted Tyquan Thornton, and then a pick or two later is when George Pickens goes. Right. And the Steelers are the best team at evaluating wide receivers, so they were probably just laughing in their, their draft room when they, when they let that happen. Especially And same with the Chiefs. Like, like you said, Sky Moore going even later than that. I would rather have Sky Moore than Tyquan Thornton in a heartbeat. So, yeah, really questionable decisions, which I'm not really surprised anymore. Bill Belichick runs his his own ship really uniquely. I didn't mind the Cole Strange thing that much. Like, uh, I, I think the reaction was a little crazy. But uh, also, you could have probably traded back and still got him. So, I don't know. Uh, they did not do anything where it moved the needle for me and they didn't make life easier for Mac Jones. So I'm with you. They're a loser. I, w- I will say too, it, it bothered me that they traded out of like 
better players in the first round for Strange. Right. They they could have stuck at 21 and taken several different playmakers that went in between there or Karloftis. And they needed an edge guy too. And you took a guard overnight. Like I will punish a team every single time that they do that. And Dallas is the same way. Like you took an offensive lineman who wasn't a superstar over edge guys. Like positional matter, positional value matters in every single class. And so to me, that was also a big part of their, uh, their low grade. Yeah. The Karloftis fall, especially past some of those teams that could use edge rushers was crazy. Let me stick in the AFC East and pick a winner. Zach Wilson. Uh, he's a big winner from this draft. The Jets spent big money this offseason, upgrade the offensive line at tight end. Now they give Wilson two big-time weapons, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. Wilson needs to show improvement this season because the pressure's on, which makes him also kind of a loser in this. But I think overall he is a, a huge winner. But the pressure, the time is now for him, or this is his last year in New York. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think both. I think we could throw both uh, New York quarterbacks kind of into that mix too. Um, yeah, definitely. they got they, they got guys that they needed. The overall team got better, so everything should be a little bit easier. Got a playmaker, um, got a blocker, you know. So I, I love what the Jets did um, overall. I thought it was very smart. This is the right time to be aggressive. They got a guy who's pe- pegged them as as high as number four or even number ten, Jermaine Johnson, all the way at twenty six. So. Um, talking about like the Patriots missing opportunities, boom, you miss out on a guy who is probably you know third or fourth best edge in this class. And yeah, we were talking about him being the number four pick, and they yep. got him, like you said, at 26. They came away with four day one starters, which is really yeah, all you can ask crazy. for in a draft. Yeah, absolutely crazy. So huge, huge draft for him. Yeah. Uh, okay, you got any more winners or losers? Uh, just smaller ones of no. I, I do think, you know, quickly surmise, I think the Ravens, Obviously, did a great job adding talent, right? But they are still kind of a loser. Your wide receiving core is terrible. Yeah, it's like, Rashad Bateman and a bunch of nobodies. Right, and so now you have to go sign either Odell Beckham or like Jarvis Landry or someone like that, someone that you don't know what you're going to get out of if they're going to be healthy, if they're even a difference maker. Um, so to me, you traded your star wide receiver for a center with short arms. Great. Um, <laughs> you took a strong safety you know, who runs a four, seven speed 14th overall. So, I mean, look, these are good players and I'm, I'm being dramatic, you know, to sell my point, these guys will be good because Baltimore does great job in the draft. Um, but every year we, we get so excited about them. We t- also took David and job. He might not ever be the same guy again. So like they're great talent, they're great talents individually, but they're not necessarily, you know, home run picks. They're not necessarily positional positions that really matter. Um, they're positions that are a bit of luxury picks. Uh, Ojabo may not play until 2023. Um, and if he does, he might not be the same guy ever again. So I, I just, I like their draft. I gave him an A minus, but I do think that the, the loss of Brown is more important than the, than anything that they gained in 2022. And they should be trying to win in 2022 because Lamar Jackson doesn't have a contract beyond that. So that matters a lot. Yeah. That's where I, I had uh, Lamar Jackson as a loser from this because yeah. And it does in turn make the Ravens losers because if you might have a great draft, but if you piss off your number one asset in Lamar Jackson, what's the point? And he hasn't been shy about how he feels on Twitter about them trading his top receiver and they didn't get him any more weapons. Obviously a winner from this is Rashad Bateman. Now that he's going to get a lot of those targets and kind of live up to that draft hype and everything His target share is going to skyrocket, but definite losers from 
offensively. Like they're going to go back to their run first offense. And if Bateman goes down, then it's really a wreck. And you don't want to make Lamar Jackson angry because he's willing to take this entire contract situation. It seems till free agency or bust for him. Yeah. I mean, he may be the next Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, yeah. contract wise, where it's like, okay, cool, just keep tagging me. I'll yeah. collect well, he's my gonna forty-five get... million dollars a year. Cool. Yeah, by then it's going to be even more. He's going to get the Deshaun Watson deal, where it's fully guaranteed and it's going to be a lot more money. Yep. Yeah, and and the Ravens just can't afford that. I mean, you, you can't. That's the whole point of signing long-term contracts is you spread the money out. Yeah, it's going to. I don't envy them. It's like it's a good position to be in. Like it's better than not having quarterback, but it's going to be right. really interesting. And Lamar Jackson represents himself, so. It's just super unpredictable, which makes it really interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go to my final loser, Debo Samuel's leverage. Debo clearly wants out of San Francisco, but the 49ers called his bluff, and now he's lost all his leverage. Uh, He can either hold out, which would delay him from becoming a free agent by a year, play out his contract, or sign a new deal. Either way, he's pretty much stuck in San Francisco for another season. I think the 49ers played it right. They especially since the offers weren't that good. Uh, I think they can franchise Samuel next season and trade him for a first round pick, like pretty much the AJ Brown deal. If he hasn't already signed a long-term deal. So uh, he overplayed his hand a little bit. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, that's the thing is like, we kind of saw like the NBA model for a bit there, you know, even with AJ Brown, we still saw it. And, and, and even Brown, both Browns. Um, so I, I never want to say nothing is, you know, dead. And obviously someone could step up and maybe they're more willing to move a 2023 pick. Um, I just don't think that, the Niners would take a 2023 pick now because they get nothing no. in return. And no, no one's really going to do a player for player swap. So I think he's pretty much stuck there so unless, too, he, unless yeah. he takes it to a, an extreme level. Yeah. And I think the good tell there was when they passed on the Jets offer of 10, yep. if they really offer 10 and, they passed on it. That was really the last opportunity because yeah. if they didn't, if well, that they, if they didn't was, do, it was not a good offer. It was, they gave up 10, but it was a pick swap where the jets get 61 out of it. So it really wasn't yeah. offering 10. Yeah. And that's how these deals just end up working. So it's not, it's not like gone are the days of when you get a two first rounds for Jamal Adams. Now right. you get a first round pick and you may have to give something back. You may have to give up a third or fourth round pick back at least. Um, Cause you're paying so much money to these guys. Like it's not, it's exorbitant. It's an exorbitant amount and it makes it difficult to build the roster. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think we'll see him go anywhere unless if, like you said, something would have to get beyond uncomfortable. It would have to be, but the 49ers still have the leverage. Your contract, exactly. you know, you, at some point you have to show up, you have to play. So the 49ers would rather get 12 games of him next year. Um, after he shows up late, if you know, worst case scenario, they're going to be like, okay, cool. Then we'll just franchise you. Like, you know, they, they still have control over him. So, um, yeah, well played by the 49ers. I wouldn't have traded him. Um, I would have maybe considered trading him straight up for, you know, 10, just for like Jamison Williams or uh, – but but when you make that move, you're, you're understanding that you are probably taking a step back. And I don't blame them for not doing that. So it wasn't yeah, in the cards. Because I wouldn't yeah. have taken ten for sixty one and even. It just would have been ten. Like that and exactly. that wasn't offered. So Yeah. I would I mean, personally I would have wanted ten in either thirty five or thirty eight and doesn't sure. sound like that was even close to being on the table. And yeah, I think the Niners they 
it would be an organizational decision. And then if they give in to him, then everyone starts doing it. So I think the Niners are going to stand strong. And then I think they realize next year is a stronger class. So they have the leverage, they can franchise them. And that, that deal is still going to be there as long as he emerges healthy from the season, which is a big if. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point too. And then they, at that point too, they might say, look, you know, worst case is, worst case is we probably get a comp pick for you in two years. So I mean, yeah, that's still not like, yeah. that's still not like awful, like a third round pick for him. If everything were to go wrong, it's still not the worst case. Exactly. And if they know that this is the last year of Devo, they can really run him into the ground a little bit and just up his usage. I don't think they will. I think they want to, I think they want to sign him. Yeah. I think they eventually will. But uh, if they realize like this is it, they could definitely give him a bunch of touches and let the next team worry about the the mileage. Let's uh, let's call it an episode there on winners and losers. Uh, let's open up to questions if uh, any of the listeners have any questions. Does not look like it. So, we'll, uh, yeah, well, let's call it an episode. We'll be back next week. Let's do a we'll do a dynasty two round mock draft next week uh, as people prepare for their rookie drafts. Uh, you can follow me, Lance Cartelli, at Casually Ginger on Twitter and any other social media. Any Ian, do you want to plug anything? Just the normal, just uh, Twitter at NFL Film Study, and I think I got a piece on undrafted rookies coming out tomorrow, and then. Um, it's like how every first round pick's going to do sometime next week. So yeah, that's about it, but everything goes on Twitter. So nice. Looking forward to checking that out when it's live. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of the Lions football show. We'll see you next week. Bye everybody.